a special episode of the Haskell Interlude. My name is Joachim Breitner, and I just attended Zurich 2023. Zurich is the biggest Haskell community event held yearly in Zurich in Switzerland, and I want to share the spirit and experience of Zurich with you. So I borrowed a recording device, uh, thanks to Jonathan King for that, and talked to organizers, speakers, and attendees. Please excuse the background noise during some of the conversations. It gets better during the podcast. And even the jingle is a genuine Zurich sound. On Sunday night at the lakeside, three participants suddenly began jamming brass. Enjoy. Right now I caught Farad, who is one of the organizers of Zurich and is the reason we can actually have this event at this very nice lakeside campus. Has Zurich always been the same or is it like, does, does it change over time? How would you compare it to the first Zurich that we had here? The first one was quite small uh, in comparison. So at that time, I think we had about 200 to 250 people or 170. I, I don't really remember. But I do remember that uh, the previous location for Zurihek couldn't hold more than 100 people. So that's how it came here. And I think it was 250, and then we came to 300, and then to so 350, then 400, and then the online was crazy. It was like 1,000 people because huh, okay. no one had to come here. Right, uh, right. So, and then uh, we basically stayed stable at 400 now. Okay, yeah. so this year's as well, 400? Yeah, 400. Oh, yeah. Hopefully after this podcast episode, oh, yeah. next year there will be plenty more because I'll, yeah. I'll tell everybody how great it is to have a exactly. geeky conference at the lakeside where we can just jump in. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> thanks, Joachim. Well, yeah, thanks for organizing. So it's getting later, the sun has set, we're still sitting on the lakeside. Thomas has just joined this round. Thomas, how, how, how was your Siri hack day so far? It was good, actually. It was good. I, I got nerd sniped by, by this guy working on, on Haskell Pledge, which is library for OpenBSD's pledge system call. So we've been doing some type programming, which was... It was difficult for me because I haven't done much Haskell lately. Okay. Yeah, I, I was I was more proactive than I than I thought I would be. Because last year I spent most of the time at the lake. <laughs> so for those people who haven't been at Zurich, like how does this work? You just show up here and suddenly somebody pulls you into their project, or how did you get to? Well, there's a there's a Discord server which is kind of like IRC, which is which is the stuff I know, and. People, people pitch their projects and then since pitching your, pitching your project only gets you a bit of attention then people try to like raise interesting problems so what happened was there was a discussion in the in the Haskell Pledge channel about something relating to GHC up and I just I kind of like couldn't resist getting into that discussion and then somehow you know it ended up like join us in room 1.2 something something and then I got completely nerd-sniped into just working on it for the rest of the day. Yeah, that, that sounds lovely. <laughs> so it's uh, Sunday already, Sunday noon, we just had lunch, and I'm, I caught Christian Georgi sitting in, in front of the lecture hall, and he's a first-time Zurihek visitor. So I'm curious, Christian, what's, what's your impression of Zurihek? How do you like it? What did you do? What, what are the to take away so far? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty nice, pretty nice people. The campus here is extremely impressive at the lakeside. Wasn't expecting that level of uh, nice. 
Well, yeah, bring your bathing suit. Uh, don't do it like me. Uh, they cost uh, upwards of uh, 30 francs. <laughs> have, you, have you considered going in without one? As a, as a person who lives in Berlin, yes, that has crossed my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And how did you spend your, your first half of Zurich so far? Yesterday, I did a little bit of the category theory track. Then I switched to hacking on HLS. People there are very, very helpful and uh, helped me set up the project and actually run HLS against the HLS code base. Yeah, now I'm helping out with some low-hanging fruit. Well, what kind of low-hanging fruit? Uh, mostly documentation. There is a plugin tutorial that is currently very outdated and uh, I'm trying to follow along, fix the bits that uh, are incorrect, which is most of them. <laughs> <laughs> and well, eventually I want to reach the end uh, and have uh, a plugin running that uh, yeah, works and yeah, maybe learn how to write a plugin. Okay, so sounds like a good project uh, for next to react when you come back maybe. Yeah, sounds, sounds like it. Cool, maybe. then talk to you then. Yeah. So now I'm sitting in front of David. Hello. F famous for running the Haskell Foundation since about half a year now? Or is a it little over a year. Little, oh, time flies. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's May 2nd last year was my first day. Okay, okay. So, so okay. Then And now it's, what, the 11th of June? Something yeah, yeah, like okay. That? So yeah. it's 11. 11, okay. okay. About and, 13 months. And, and, and he's, he's been doing a bunch of stuff everywhere, all over the place, <laughs> uh, including here in Zurich. So, so yeah. you were actually here not just since uh, yesterday when Zurich started, but That's you've right. been here for like the whole week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to tell me about it. Sure. So the main reason for coming early is that together with the university here, the OST, the Haskell Foundation has been organizing a workshop on contributing to GHC. So people who wanted to get involved in working on the compiler but maybe didn't know where to start or didn't know where to look for documentation or maybe there wasn't documentation, I'm not entirely sure. I have never written a line of code in GHC myself, so <laughs> all of this is sort of hearsay and you shouldn't trust me at all on it. You know, there People wanted to have an easier path into GHC and so we made an event where core GHC contributors could give presentations about key aspects of the compiler. So we had nine speakers over three days each giving about a two-hour session, and we ended up with, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but around 70 people attending in person, and depending on the day, up to 20 people participating remotely. Uh, we live-streamed everything, and we're going to be releasing a video probably by the time this episode comes out. It'll, the videos will be released. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see who's faster. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it seemed to be pretty well-received, and at the end of the workshop so on friday afternoon there were already 12 merge requests to ghc that had resulted from people attending the workshop and getting going on hacking so that was really great to see i hope we'll get a lot more so, so you're saying there was nine speakers over three days yes two hours each that's right And there was still time for people to actually hack and, and contribute? That's, uh, did, you, uh, did you not allow them to sleep or something? So I, I said very explicitly, as often as I could, that people should skip sessions on aspects of the compiler they didn't find interesting and go sit down and, and do whatever they wanted. Okay. Um, I don't think a lot of people did that. I think they... Yeah, they, it's always hard to... to I said, all the talks are being recorded. You'll have access to the recording of the live stream immediately as a participant and the edited videos as soon as we can get them done. But... People wanted to be there live and, and see what was going on. Um, so I know some people were working in the evenings, and you know, not all these MRs are huge. Like some of them just update documentation, where you know, a speaker would somebody would ask a question, the speaker would say, "Oh, actually, the docs are out of date," and they just fix it. So, oh, great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, we had an explicit rule that if somebody got a question answered or 
found a difficult aspect. They were supposed to leave the code base in a state where the next person wouldn't need to ask the question. Right. And yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll put out a blog post or a, a post on Discourse pretty soon with a recap and with some more numbers about how many contributions we get as a result of this. But also, we've scheduled it together with ZeroHack on the assumption that people could come and learn a lot about GHC internals for three days and then have three days to do further work where all of the speakers were present. Hmm. They all signed up when they were going to do a presentation. They also signed up that they'd be willing to mentor contributors and answer questions during ZeroHack itself. So we also have a room full of people working on GHC. I've stuck my head in a couple of times. A lot of them were at the workshop. So. Cool, cool. That, that sounds like a successful way of... I think gathering. so. <laughs> I, I, I was spending all of my time focused on trying to get the live stream to work well and you know, pointing the camera at people as they walk around and you know, cutting between the slide view and the camera view. And so I didn't really understand a single word that was said. Mm. Um, but I, I, people seemed to think that the content was useful. And, and do you think we'll have that again? Or is it That's still a good open? question. Yeah, I wanna, it was a lot of work to plan it. Mm. I think a second round would be less work. So now we, we have an idea of what the interest level is. So you know we started with a small room, and then so Farhad, the person I've been working with on organizing it, he's he's local here. He spent a lot of time sort of bargaining with people to like move their classes around so we could get bigger and better rooms, and then again bigger and better rooms, and uh, and he was he was wildly successful. You know we ended up with a gigantic, convenient, air-conditioned room, but that took a lot of work. And I think next time we know, just book that room now. Okay. You know, I, I had to learn a lot about live streaming things, and now I know how to do it. On the other hand, we have videos. Like, that's one of the big products of this, is that we now have, mm. you know, nine two-hour talks on the way about various aspects of GHC, like how the RTS works, or how it interacts with um, installed libraries on disk, and other things that people may not have had easy ways to learn about before. And repeating that doesn't make a lot of sense in one year, or in half a year, or in two years. Like, the type checker structure is not what it was a decade ago. We'd certainly want to repeat it if the last talk about the type checker was a decade old. So I've been considering maybe try to plan something about other strategically important core Haskell tooling that needs a little more love. And so I think there are aspects of GHC that I'd like to see have more people maintaining them and working on them. So, you know, have different talks about different aspects would be useful. Also, I think build tools and... We had one session on HLS. I think having more would be useful because mm -hmm. HLS is extremely important. Yeah. Um, you know, we had sessions on the Wasm and JavaScript backends for people who wanted to get involved working on those, but we didn't have one on the native code backend or the LLVM <laughs> backend, and those also need work sometimes. Yeah, they're, they're also kind of relevant next to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the other ones are new, and yeah, and you know, there's like a big to-do list to get them fully production ready, and so that's why we chose to focus on those because. There's more to contribute there. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And there's more like yeah. low-hanging fruit, right? Yeah. Like, oh, like one of the one of the tasks that needs to happen is that a lot of the numeric primops in the JavaScript backend are currently implemented using JavaScript bigint, and that ends up being less efficient than just representing it as a pair of numbers and not constructing a bigint, doing the bigint operation, and then unpacking them. Mm -hmm. But instead, sort of, you know doing the bit shifting yourself in the in the JavaScript implementation of the primop. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like the native code gen has fewer opportunities to make things faster like that hmm. just because of more work put into it in yeah. the past. Cool. That sounds yeah. great. Thanks. So I tracked you down for this interview. Yeah. You also tracked me down here for something right. else. Tell, tell me about why, uh, sure. why you hunted me here. Yeah. <laughs> 
I did send you an email warning you about this fact, so you knew I was coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I fall into the trap even if it's very visible. <laughs> so, um, Hackage, the package repository we all know and love, has a nice setup which is intended to increase the security of users of Hackage, to, to give people some assurances. So, Hackage has a design where you can have untrusted mirrors, which is to say, I can set up a mirror of Hackage, and if you download packages from my mirror, I don't have an opportunity to, say, not give you upgraded packages mm -hmm. um, or to substitute malicious packages for the ones you want. Similarly, we, we have some assurance that the keys used for various purposes have been vetted and attested by a trusted set of people. That trusted set of people have been doing it for a long time, and we need new ones. We mm -hmm. need more people. So <laughs> the goal is to uh, recruit you to do this job, Joachim. <laughs> and so in order to do this, we want, you know, we want to maintain a high level of trust in the system. So we have a, you know, a Git repository full of GPG-signed messages where key holders use GPG to attest to their ownership of a particular private key or public key, right? Like a particular key pair mm -hmm. that is used for this hackage signing process. I do not have such a key, um, but I hope that you soon will. And this means that we that we need to do the the old school GPG key signing ceremony where we look at each other's password passports and say, "Hey, yes, this key is actually owned by this person." And actually, Joachim, you are a Debian developer and have been for a long time. And that means that you have an extremely well-attested GPG key. I, on the other hand, do not. I used to use GPG years ago, but I didn't because, like most, much of the world, I, I kind of stopped doing it when I didn't get any encrypted email or signed email for a long time. But now I need it again to participate in, in mm. my role in this process. So uh, I will get my key signed, which will be very valuable. All right. Well, I hope good. so, at least. I mean, you've got to verify my documents first. Uh, yeah, I will make sure that you're not some, imp some imposter who actually is like, I don't know, part of the OCaml uh, foundation, rather, Haskell Foundation, and is trying to subvert us. Um, for the record, the uh, OCaml development team and the Haskell Foundation have a good working relationship, and we actually <laughs> talk to each other about yes. how to make the world better for functional programming. Yeah. Cool. Let's do yeah. that and not bore our listeners with reading our TPT fingerprints, and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the React. Thanks, you too. So now I'm sitting in front of Artin, and I'm very happy to have Artin here because he's actually one of the people who keep the Haskell podcast running. He's our very efficient and swift test listener. So whenever we produce an episode, it first goes to him, and he tells us if there are any glitches in the audio that we have to, to fix. Because as you may imagine, some of our hosts, they don't like to hear their own voice, and I'm certainly one of them. So we're happy to have somebody else who can check the episodes before we publish them. But that's actually not what I want to talk about. I want to hear, Artin, um, this is your first uh, time at Zurich, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So w w what made you come here and, and how was your experience so far? So I've always been dreaming of going to some kind of community place where everyone's a Haskeller and everyone shares my love for Haskell. And Zurich is, I think, the best one for that. So we have Moonyhack and other hackathons and Haskell meetings, but Zurihack is the one that I was most interested in. Mm -hmm. So I live in a country where it's not really easy to get come to Switzerland. So ask Ferhad and David if mm -hmm. they could help me with a letter uh, for my visa application. And they provided one 
very easily and helped no, that's me. Nice. Yeah, helped me with my visa application. Yeah. Okay, so it's guys, that's good to highlight that people who think maybe it's too tricky to come to Zurich, yeah, they, they, should, they should try. Yeah, exactly. So and we can help. Yeah, people are very nice in the community, so that was very great to experience. And I, when I came here, I was first at the GC workshop. After that, Zurihack started, and it was very great. So all the conferences, all those things. But one of the biggest highlights of my trip to Zurihack mm -hmm. is getting to know all the heroes that <laughs> I worship so much in the community. For example, Simon and David Christensen and yourself mm. <laughs> and Ben Gamari and all those maintainers that put all their effort into GAC and always trying to make it better uh, for us, all of us. So it was very nice to see that people who have done so much in the functional programming community be so easy and open and nice to you. Like you're some kind of friend that they knew about, for example, for 10 years and you've right. been working. Yeah. I got to talk with all of the well-typed people, for example, a little, but I spent most of my conversation talking with Simon and uh, ben Gamari. Mm -hmm. They were so nice. I was so comfortable talking about GAC. It was so appearing that we were sharing something, uh, some love for Haskell that we were so passionate to talk about. And I was like, uh, Simon, uh, how can I get more involved with all of this? And he was like, just start doing the type rules for Visible for All if you can. And I was like, that would be great. So it's not some kind of impossible thing to get involved even in the research field of GHC. So if you can do something, contact the maintainers and they'll answer you as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, but when I when I found Artin sitting outside in, in the on the nice benches um, in front of the building, he was reading one of the the papers and you could see typing rules on the screen. So he, <laughs> he's already he's started to to like work on this task. <laughs> so, so what exactly is it that you're your your goal now for this project? What is the the task that you're looking so at? The quick look paper lacks some typing rules mm -hmm. and the visible for all proposal number if you if you don't search it it's number 0281 so we can just mm -hmm. search GC proposal and, and go read it it's by Vladislav Zabilov um, he is the main person who is working on dependent types right now so if you love dependent types just go look at it mm -hmm. uh, do you want to explain what visible for all is very briefly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Visible for all lets you pass uh, types as argument without the at sign at the beginning, so it's like more neutral to work with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all it does. Uh, kind of, not uh, as a user. That's what it does. But as being able to implement it in JC, it lacks some typing rules, and it has to work with the quicklook paper. So the quicklook paper is describing what by di by directional. I may be uh, saying wrong things right now. No, that's so, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Don't worry. Other people are more fluent in this. I'm just a beginner trying to find out my way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, bidirectional type inference and type checking, yeah, that lets you, for example, do uh, so many stuff like instantiating unification variables with polytypes instead of monotypes. And that's, that would be great. So you can compose functions from, for example, for all A to A to int to a function that returns a for all a to a it returns a function from a to a so now you can do that yeah so, so that, that that almost sounds like you've already studied some of these type theory things in at university or so but that is not the case right uh yeah i started programming back in high school in the middle of my 10th grade and i started some python and did some things and 
I figured out what Haskell was and just began exploring all this stuff. So it's not as high of a bar to enter as some people think. Just mm-hmm. type theory and all those stuff come neutrally when you have some functional programming experience. So when I started reading typing rules, they were just so Greek, uh, mm-hmm. random Greek letters. But uh, when you just get more passionate about all this stuff, they come so easily. You can learn them so easily. Cool. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like you're having a great time at Zurich. Yeah, I'm having the best time of my life, yeah. Well, then let's, don't let me stop you from the rest of the Zurich, <laughs> and um, maybe see you next year then. Thank you very much. Thank you for ha- having me here. Yeah. So it's Monday already, last day of Zurich, and I caught Hannes and Michael, who were leading maybe the most uh, popular project for contributors here, because the room was always full and busy with work. They're working on the HLS, the Haskell Language Server. So um, how, how did it go for you, the, the Zurich hacking? What, what came out of it? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. We have like, I think, 12 to 15 people almost all the time in the room, and we have so many issues that the people were working on like documentation improvements we're soon going to re- receive a new cover plugin where you can like actually hack on a cover file with completions diagnostics we have so many more code actions and bug fixes and i think it was a real pleasant experience it's a lot of work and the room is so incredibly hot when it's like 50 people inside <laughs> right. it yeah okay, i think we did a good job of trying to get people going because it's not the easiest code base in the world to work on and Hannah's in particular is great at making sure that everyone has a working setup and uh, gets gets over the first few hurdles so that they can actually start you know doing some doing some coding and not just you know screaming at setup all day so, so I always wonder when you join these projects as somebody who hasn't worked on HLS before or maybe you're even a Haskell beginner is it still useful and helpful to join these projects or is it mostly well keeping the attendees here are busy and happy, but how much do you get out of new contributors in doing one weekend? So usually people do, do not stay long-time contributors, but um, there are some notable exceptions, like people that actually come here again at every hackathon. Like I've been at the last Siri hack and the last Muni hack, and I've met like four to five people that like consistently come back to these to my table, and um, like to our table, obviously. And so I think we do get a lot out of it. And it just may be the feedback that, okay, what's bad about our development setup? Mm. Because admittedly, it's a big project, mostly maintained by volunteers. So we right. do have issues all the time. So beginners usually like have a hard time like getting wrapping their head around this huge, huge, huge code base. We still usually often can find some, at least something that they can look at and actually bash their head against so so that they can interact with it and see, okay, if I do this, this happens. Maybe they might not always get get a pull request out of it, but at least I hope they at least have some nice experience with it, with nice people to work with and like socializing a bit and stuff like that. So I think I think we do get a lot out of it, to be honest. Yeah, and I think in some ways we get a bit further in a situation like this because we can have that sort of quick feedback where someone's a bit stuck and then we can just wander over and give them a hand. And I think that having a code base that maybe has a lot of quirks or awkward bits and the LSP spec itself, you know, we had a lot of cases where someone said, oh, I think I found a bug because this thing isn't working. And I was like, oh, no, actually, the empty object in the capabilities map actually means it's enabled. Way. Oh, okay. Um, you know, things like that, which, you know, you could spend a lot of time and be very demoralized on if you were sitting at home by yourself. And in a situation like this, you could just ask someone and then make some progress. All right. That sounds great. So I hope you'll do this next year again. And uh, 
maybe some of the people listening to the podcast will come to Zurich and uh, make HLS even better. Yeah, of course. They are always welcome. Cool. Thanks. It's Monday. This morning, uh, Ben Lin gave the final and uh, uh, talk of the Zurich Hack event. It was very well received. The audience was excited at the end. So, so Ben, you, you arrived on, on Friday already? Yes. Uh, actually, I've been in Zurich even longer, just a few days before. Okay, uh, right. So well, what is your impression of Zurich Hack? How did you use the time so far? I'm mostly preparing my talk because I'm scrambling to get my slides together and, and uh, iron out bugs, that sort of thing. <laughs> But it, you say slides, it wasn't really slides, right? Like the, oh, right, They're yes. very uh, <laughs> interactive. Right, I had a bunch of live demos, and, and I had even more that slipped my mind when in the heat of the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, I was trying to get those working and, and figure out how to make it look flashy. Yeah, and I think it did look flashy in the end. The people listening to the episode are probably not those who were here, but they still have the opportunity to see you because all the talks that were at Zurich um, are recorded and going to be online. So what, do they, what can they expect from your talk? Well, I, well, it's a spoiler, spoiler alert, I guess, but I, uh, I, I did a series of magic tricks and death-defying stunts, let's say. That, 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 is, that is true, but unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I walked through a classic paper, one of my favorites, Schoenfinkel's 1924 paper on uh, combinators, where he introduced combinators and showed how you could write any logic formula in a very strange form, very, a very simple, strange form, using very few symbols. And, and I think then you actually wrote a, a full Haskell compiler oh, based, yes. based on that. Based, and, based on that, yes, I should, and, forgot and, to mention and that. Showed that and yeah. <laughs> it was even self-hosting, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I, from using those techniques, I, I, I wound up with a self-hosting Haskell compiler. But I should point out, it, it isn't the full Haskell. It, it does have uh, no, many, many deficient, deficiencies. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and you also had very nice um, animations showing how evaluation actually happens in that system. Yes, I think the crowd enjoyed that more than I expected. It was uh, a little animation of how combinator reduction it helps understand combinator reduction, I would say. I wanted to turn it into a game, but I haven't had the time. Oh, but what, what would be the idea for the game? It would be a sort of puzzle game where maybe you start out with only the B combinator and you have to transform A, B, C, D into A, B applies to C. I, mean, I, I don't know how to say these brackets on, on yeah, that's <laughs> globally, but, uh, I, but you, you're different pack, pack, packages. I, I guess you could spell, spell it in Polish uh, notation. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not sure that's helpful. <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah. yeah, that sounds fun. I think it was a, a great talk for, for like the, the final talk of Zurichek after, after <laughs> two days of intense discussions and talks to have something that was very entertaining while still enlightening. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm glad. Yes, I, I was, um, it was well received, I think, and it was, I was very happy to see that. I, I didn't expect it. And yeah, I'm very happy to be here. It's my, my first Zurichek, and yeah, I've had a great time. <laughs> cool, thank you. The Haskell Interlude Podcast is a project of the Haskell Foundation and is made possible by the support of our sponsors, especially the Monarch level sponsors, Digital Asset, GitHub, Input Output, JustPay, and Meetup.